0: TCL
1: is a proud sponsor of the SCORE Nord Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily.
2: It is Purple Daily, the only place where five days a week you get Vikings and NFL talk here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Also streaming live. You can see our faces at Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. You can give us a call at 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North. I'm Rami Makhlouf in the uh, good posture chair. Matthew Collar is here as well. Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. No, I just made Is Collar an... sitting in like the, the chubby chair? No is Collar the- is sitting in the chair that's actually flattering. Okay. You, you can you can let your your posture go a little bit in that chair and still look all right. This one that I'm sitting at cuz it's the profile.
1: I say Oh. If you okay, let your yeah. posture
2: go and don't suck in the belly, it's yeah. a bad look. It's a bad um, look where I'm well, sitting. Well,
1: you know, do me a favor, and just kind of sit up and just like have a little respect for the process. I mean,
2: <laughs> that's Manny Hill on the other side. You're of the ready glass. for that, were not you Manny? Oh
0: yes, definitely. <laughs> That's going to be in my back pocket every day now.
2: Because I often talk about how awful my posture is and how fat I look on camera.
1: I started watching the stream just a little bit to Mm -hmm. see how it looks the other day, and I realized that I am an extreme fidgeter. It's just like i wiggle in the chair and i'm looking at twitter and refreshing it and i'm like picking my nose and like man i i didn't realize i was doing all those things while talking
2: i have had to resist the urge to
1: pick my nose on occasion i haven't i haven't
2: gotten caught doing that yet but i'm the same. i have to be doing something with my hands i'm like ricky bobby like i don't know what to do with my hands like i'm always like chewing on my fingernails or flicking a pen or some. i'm doing i'm constantly doing something with my hands
1: i need to tackle something like if, if we get deep enough into the football conversation then i just need to take something down but it's very clear why we're not on tv and why we're on the radio right exactly we have no idea what
2: we're we doing. don't we don't know what to do with ourselves no but yes it is uh it's time to talk football you guys and coming football. up on the show today How realistic is this second-year leap that they're expecting from uh, Kirk Cousins? We'll get into that at about 12.20 and a uh, free agent signing that's been thrown out there that's not as sexy as some of the other reckless speculation we've had on Purple Daily and elsewhere on Score North. It's not Antonio Brown. We won't be talking about Antonio Brown or his weird mustache today.
1: Well, then I disagree with your approach. Young Mr. Collar (laughs) often puts his uh,
2: observations on the uh, Minnesota Vikings or speculation about the Minnesota Vikings up at scorenorth.com and you can check out his latest column, playing the Choose Your Own Adventure game with Vikings Free Agency. I loved Choose Your Own Adventure books when I was growing up. You guys? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Loved them. This this would
1: be an homage.
2: It was the only thing that made me enjoy reading. Like that and the sports page. (laughs) That's it. I just wanted Choose Your Own Adventure and the sports page growing up, and you have brought those things together for me this afternoon, Matthew. So you went through some of the hypotheticals starting with, if the Vikings can't sign Anthony Barr... To an extension, then what are their options?
1: Well, an interesting option hit the market just yesterday in Jamie Collins, who was an outside linebacker for the Cleveland Browns and has a very similar physical profile to Anthony Barr. He was really good with the New England Patriots Mm -hmm. in a similar type of role to Barr that was more all around, but he also rushed the passer a lot. And he went to Cleveland and just never really clicked. But his defensive coordinator was Greg Williams, who did things a lot differently than Mike Zimmerd. Does So if the Vikings are looking for a replacement for Barr, which I suspect they will be, I, I don't think that there is any chance that Anthony Barr signs a long-term contract extension here. He never showed a whole heck of a lot of interest in sticking around when we talked to him this year. He was always kind of commenting on how he wasn't rushing the passer enough. So it, you know, it's always felt like he thought he could get paid more somewhere else and have a better role somewhere else. So I don't expect him to stay. The issue with Collins is just how much he's going to get paid because he does have a big name. He did have a big contract, but I kind of look at him as like a Sheldon Richardson type situation where he could sign a reasonable one year contract with Uh, hopes of. Like a prove it deal. Yeah, with hopes of having a big uh, year and then bouncing back and then getting another big contract. And then the other guys on the market that are interesting KJ Wright, he's probably going to get paid quite a bit from Seattle, CJ Mosley as well. One of the interesting options is Quan Alexander from Tampa Bay because. He hasn't reached his full potential yet and was injured last season. So if you're looking for maybe deals there, he's a guy that's a freak athlete and is only 25 years old, which is hard to find on the free agent market. If you were looking for somebody who you could sign to a longer term contract and maybe make uh, their cap hit a little lower this year and spread it out, then Alexander might be one of those guys. But I think ultimately what ends up happening here, because they are so tight up against the cap, is that they've just got to figure it out with a rotation to fill that spot. And it With really, the guys
2: already in-house.
1: Yeah. And maybe you sign somebody like, well, Gerald Hodges was here before and uh, they traded him away for Nick Easton. But, you know, Preston Brown from Cincinnati. Uh, L.J. Fort is a guy from Pittsburgh, which is just a great linebacker name. Fort. Um <laughs> Rotational-type players that play 30%, 40% of the snaps, then Ben Gideon, Eric Wilson. That might have to be the solution if they can't pull in one of these big guys and if they can't create enough cap space to pull in one of those big guys.
2: Going back to Collins, two two questions about him. Didn't he sign a big deal when he first went over to the Browns? He did, yes. And, and did they—so they, they had no— They could cut him with no dead cap money. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: I don't know how much cap money, uh, dead cap, they ended up taking on because of him. But usually a lot of these deals, Riley Reefs is this way, are front loaded with the dead cap space. So all of the signing bonus money and everything is put into those first couple of years that it makes for the bigger cap hit. And then because Cleveland had a lot of cap space, they could take it on. So then you can cut them later with less cap money it's this way with everson griffin and his contract too so i would assume that they didn't take on a lot of dead cap but it really just wasn't a success there i i don't know why specifically i don't think it was because he's not talented i think it was probably more to do with just the fit and that team and the defense he was being asked to play in he's probably the most similar player you're going to find to Anthony Barr. And
2: I was, that's the other thing that worried, that concerns me about that, is you just mentioned Anthony Barr expressed his, his displeasure with how often he was chasing down quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Isn't Jamie Collins going to want to do the same thing, and aren't they going to ask him, to do other things at that position other than chase down quarterbacks?
1: Well, th- the thing about Jamie Collins is that he was that sort of all-around linebacker in New England, and I can get the specifics on exactly how often he rushed the passer because it's 2019, Rami, and mm-hmm. can do things like this. So <laughs> if I could find it here. Um, but but he was kind of this similar role, but they already had Dante Hightower, and they didn't exactly need Collins, and they felt like with their defense, and you've seen this a lot from the new england patriots where with their defense they feel like they can get people to rush the passer and we saw like trey flowers they're not going to re-sign trey flowers and probably for the same reason he was really good but they feel like they can replace that in that defense so they decided to move on from jamie collins but um you know i i think as far as playing that all-around role it does make sense for him to take that spot it's just i don't have a good sense for what the market's gonna be like. There's so many teams with tons of cap space, you could see somebody going crazy for almost any of these free agents right. that the Vikings are going after.
2: What about a draft? What about drafting a replacement for Anthony Barr? A name that I've seen, and I know everybody wants offensive line in the first round, but if 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 a first grade off first round graded offensive lineman isn't there at your pick, you'd want to reach for that. Right. And a name I've seen attached to the Vikings in multiple Mock drafts. I think I've seen three mock drafts now that attach the Vikings to Devin Bush, the linebacker out of Michigan. Yes. Mm. I know that their defense is their strong suit, but if you can get a game changer in the first round at linebacker, which is not necessarily your greatest position of need, but
1: is a position of need with Anthony Barr leaving... I think you, you kind of got to jump on that, don't you? So let me circle back to your question about Jamie Collins. Mm-hmm. When he was in New England, the year he played the most, he played 1,100 snaps, he only rushed the passer 104 times, which is on par almost to the exact number of how often Anthony Barr rushes. It's usually in the low 100s per season, and he created 33 pressures that year, which is again around the similar amount that Anthony Barr does, and then you know that year he was really good in coverage, which might have something to do with new england but uh, you know th- those numbers he he was not rushing the passer a ton even with cleveland he rushed 140 times and created only 15 pressures so i i think if there is a player that's kind of a clone that's the guy who it is uh to your question it's gonna so much has to be determined in free agency about where they would want to go because if they sign jamie collins well then of course they don't need the linebacker If they sign Jared Cook, the top tight end, well, they're not taking TJ Hawkinson, or they're not taking Noah Fan. So we don't have a really good sense until we find out what holes are already plugged. But as it pertains to a linebacker, I don't think it's crazy at all if one drops out of the, the top talent pool into where the Vikings are to want to replace Anthony Barr because I do think it's a very valuable position in Mike Zimmer's defense.
2: Do you have something over there, Manny? I thought you... Okay, no. I'm doing behind-the-scenes stuff, <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, my bad.
1: He was Misre- just really
2: enthralled with I the misread the body language. All right, moving on then to your next point in uh, your choose-your-own-adventure column uh, for the Vikings at scorenorth.com. You said, if the Vikings trade Everson Griffin
1: then, what are the possibilities here? Well, one that caught my eye yesterday, and this might be involved in a bigger trade, there are some rumors out there, but Kevin Zeitler of the Browns... Mm-hmm is on the block because they drafted Austin Corbett last year in the second round, early second round, and kind of surprised people by drafting him that high. But if they think he's ready to take over on the offensive line and want to create even more cap space for a really big move in free agency, then Kevin Zeitler would be the guy that they would trade. There are only two or three guys who are game changers with the Vikings that they could sign or trade for that. You would say, wow, this offensive line is way better now because they have blank. Kevin Zeitler is one of those guys. So if they're looking to swap just cap for cap position for position, that type of deal might make sense. And if they traded Everson Griffin away for a draft pick, then they could afford the other guy that would be a game changer, which is Roger Saffold who plays for the Los Angeles Rams. If not, Boy, I mean, if you make $11 million in cap space, the world is yours. Like, you've got a lot of different options here. And the one that struck me as the most intriguing was one of these great safeties. I know that that's not a position of need. The safety
2: pool in free agency this year
1: is... It's just, nuts. It's crazy. Tyron Matthew, Landon Collins, Earl Thomas, these are star players. Eric Weddle. And I think we've always wondered if Harrison Smith was playing next to someone this good... How amazing would this defense be? And there's a little part of me that thinks, you know, ever since 31 years old, and if you had a chance to bring in Tyron Matthew to play next to Harrison Smith, how dynamic that would be probably more valuable to your defense than what you're going to get from everson griffin going forward because you can get
2: really creative if you if you have a guy like tyron matthew who you trust deep and 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 backing up your defense you can drop you can drop smith down into the box you can do a lot of different things
0: with those two guys and and judd brought that up yesterday about how the vikings might explore the idea of having like a third safety out there and bringing one guy you know taking harrison smith and using Harrison Smith as more of like a Swiss Army knife type of guy where he's just more of a hybrid linebacker safety guy, and then you have a you have a third safety out there, and it could be one of these guys on the market.
1: And, and Harrison has been that to some extent, and it was my argument for him 2017 for N- uh, NFL defensive MVP is that I looked at the numbers, how often he lined up as a linebacker, how often he was even an outside corner. He was all over the field, and Zimmer still does that with him, but you could even increase that with a great player like Landon Collins or Tyron Matthew. Matthew is the most intriguing to me because he could play nickel corner too. Right. He was a nickel corner and then he moved to safety and he's good at both, turns out. So there's lots of different options there. The other thing too, if you create nearly $12 million of cap space is Sheldon Richardson. You can bring him back because that's right around the the price for defensive tackle. So as, as far as like a linchpin type of move that opens up all of their options, trading Everson Griffin is that
2: next uh, fork in the road in your choose-your-own-adventure if the Vikings cut or trade Kyle Rudolph then. Let's start with, they almost have to ask Kyle Rudolph to renegotiate or be willing to part ways with him, right?
1: Well, my understanding is from both Darren Wolfson and Courtney Cronin reported that the Vikings want him to restructure his deal, and he does not want to. So Then
2: it's been real, Kyle Rudolph, I think is what they have to say, right? That's
1: what most people responded on Twitter when I put out that Uh, Doogie was reporting that. Most people's response was, all right, then, well, Isn't he making top 10 tight end money? Seven million bucks, yeah. He's not going to get top 10
2: tight end money on the free agent market if they Mm -hmm. let him go, so I don't see where his position of strength is here in these negotiations.
1: I got the impression, Kyle Rudolph was very unhappy last year with both the quarterback and the offensive coordinator, that he felt he should have been used more in the offense, and I agreed with him and wrote a couple articles just Mm -hmm. about... Kyle is a guy that is open even when he's not open because he's just so massive and has been so reliable. I think he has maybe two drops in the last two seasons. And even if he isn't the perfect tight end, he's still very, very good. And I I think he looks at himself that way. I think he looks at himself like, hey, I was a pro bowler. I am a guy who caught 80 passes one year. I never drop anything. I catch everything in the red zone, especially. Like, the fact that I didn't have as big numbers last year is not on me. It's on you. And I don't blame him for looking at it like that. I think you're right that he might not be able to rake in that much money per year if he hit the uh, free agent market. But then again, there's only one good tight end on the free agent market. So another team might come in and say, well, we'll give you $10 million for one year. And, and that's the thing is that with this free agent market, people can go
0: crazy. They could do whatever they want. I mean, a lot of teams have a lot of money to spend.
1: I mean, if you're, I don't know, the New York Jets have Herndon, he's pretty good, so they came to mind first. But even and Joku plays for uh, Cleveland. These are the teams that have the most. But I mean, if you're one of these teams with a, a massive amount of money, you might be like overpay him for two years while we have a quarterback on a rookie contract. Like, right? Heck yeah, let's do it. You know. So if they were to do that, if they were to release Kyle Rudolph, though. This is, again, kind of a linchpin move that would open the door for them to get a second-tier guard like Quentin Spain or A.J. Can, or go into the wide receiver market. Like There's a, a number of very good but not great wide receivers that would be a huge upgrade on Laquan Treadwell. Such as? Chris Hogan, Jermaine Curse, Michael Crabtree, Randall Cobb—like these guys are not superstars. Everybody, really, everyone. Yeah. yeah. Almost. I mean, and I mean this: there are twenty, there are twenty to twenty-five oh, yeah. receivers who are free agents who would be an upgrade. It's just how much. How do they replace Rudolph, though? That would be probably at the draft. You'd be talking about Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson, or there's another guy who played for Cincinnati who's real quick and filled in for Tyler Eifert when he got hurt. C.J. Uzoma, I think is how you pronounce it, he had 43 catches last year. He's kind of like the Trey Burton. Remember how Trey Burton all of a sudden got sort of hot on the market? Yeah. He didn't have huge numbers in uh, Philly, but he had that athletic profile that he would fit. Was he Um, on your 25,
0: your list of 25 guys? Okay, yeah, yeah, I thought I remembered seeing that name.
1: Honestly, he's the only other tight end worth a damn. I mean, Jared Cook is the guy. He had 68 catches last year. He's really good, and... The Vikings wanted him last year. They brought him in for a visit, and he didn't sign here. But uh, there has been interest there before, so there's that option. But I think you would be then looking to the draft and then hoping for development from Tyler Conklin.
2: And again, you can check out Matthew's column, the uh, the choose, Vikings' Choose Your Own Adventure, at scorenorth.com. Next up is, uh, if the Vikings can't re-sign Sheldon Richardson, then what are the options there?
1: I'm going to answer with a noise. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's not good. It's not pretty. It it is not. It's not pretty. Do they have to bring back Sheldon Richardson? Is that what you're saying? When you get a really good three technique defensive tackle who blows up the interior in pass protection, who shuts down the run, Richardson is not a dominant run defender, but he is fantastic at getting after the passer. You usually keep them, and I think that they really want to keep them. When I was when I started looking through the names, like remember Shamar Stefan? No, he's one of the better names. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, he's one of the better. He was oh. a seventh round pick of the Vikings and a rotational player that played about thirty percent of snaps. He's one of the better options. Tom Johnson's one of the better options. There are not many three technique defensive tackles who hit the market, and there's a reason for that because they are hugely valuable. And Tom so, Johnson's
0: up there in age too, right? Yeah,
1: he's I think going to be thirty five. So, but yeah. once again, you are talking about if they do not bring back Richardson, then you go to the draft. Because, I was going to say,
2: what's the what's the depth like oh, in it's, terms it's of really defensive good. linemen? Okay. Very
1: very good. There are there are probably six first round talent defensive linemen. Mm. And the same thing goes for Everson Griffin, where trading him away, it opens up the door for drafting one of the top edge rushers. Montez Sweat is a guy who you could really see coming off the edge. Brian Burns is a freakish athlete that actually, if they drafted him, could be either an edge rusher or a linebacker, which is interesting. But this three-technique spot, I mean, you're talking about hoping that Jaleel Johnson and Jalen Holmes step up. If you lose Richardson, because these other guys, it's just a bunch of rotational players. There's no game changers. Uh, Let's do one more before the break. If the Vikings trade Trey Waynes, then? It's another one of those moves that just the world becomes um, brighter and more friendly for free agency week. Because... (laughs) Then you have the money to sign a good offensive lineman. Not an amazing offensive lineman, but there's only two or three of those. But like Matt Paradis, the center from the Broncos, if you wanted to move out line, he's a guy that'll cost you somewhere around $9 bucks. Jamison Crowder will probably get a little overpaid. Or you could replace him with someone who's going to be fairly cheap, like Orlando Skandrick or Brent Grimes, like a veteran player who can come in, maybe rotate with uh, Mike Hughes. And then spend your money on a bunch of different places. Uh, I, I like the idea of getting a number two running back. Yeah. And I mentioned some ideas here, but my favorite idea for this is either Spencer Ware or TJ Yeldon. Like, the, like Delvin Cook is really, really good. But all the great teams seem to have at least two guys. Like Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman were a great combination in 2016. I think that someone like TJ Yeldon could be that for the Vikings. And Latavius Murray, as much as I think he is an A-plus guy, Mm -hmm. if you are going to run his own scheme, he probably doesn't fit in that. And if you're really going to open things up and start throwing to your running backs all the time... Like I think you want to have multiple guys that can catch the ball and an insurance policy in case Cook gets hurt again.
2: Yeah, the question I keep asking, and Manny knows I keep asking it because he's mm-hmm. here when I ask it, when it comes to that backup running back position is, do you want to get a guy who compliments what you already have at running back in Delvin Cook, sort of a thunder and lightning type of thing like they have in New Orleans, or because of the injury concerns... Do you want a guy who emulates what Dalvin Cook does? So when he's not in there, you don't have to really change your offense much.
1: What I would like the most from that position is kind of a chess piece type of player, where maybe one play you come out and let's just say it's T.J. Yeldon. Mm-hmm. T.J. Yeldon's in a running back, and there's Dalvin Cook playing wide receiver, or the opposite, or you know one of them can maybe go deep more often, or something like that. I think you're looking for someone who's similar enough to be able to jump in with the scheme because it never really worked. To flip-flop them. It's funny, Latavius Murray, when he filled in and Cook was out for both years, he played well. But when they were both healthy, Latavius Murray played not well at all. And I think that that kind of tells you that they would adjust the scheme when Latavius Murray was known to be the starter. But I'd prefer to have someone who was kind of similar.
2: We don't want to give away the whole article because we want them clicks. So, uh, other, other decisions that Collar addresses in the article at scorenorth.com. If the Vikings can't sign Roger, uh, Roger Saffold, if the Vikings want to upgrade at safety, if the Vikings want to move Riley Reef, if the Vikings don't re sign Trevor Simeon as their backup QB. And he goes more in depth into the things that we've already discussed. Again, catch that article at score north.com and catch all our Vikings programming there as well. Just search score north Vikings wherever you search for podcasts. Podcast or download the app. And uh, you mentioned Free Agency Week next week. We will have that covered wall-to-wall on all our platforms here on 1500, scorenorth.com, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, uh, we made it real easy for you. It's all at bonanza. S-K-O-R North. It is. It's going to be a free agency bonanza here at Score North all next week. So uh, follow along with us. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, is there any validity whatsoever to this second-year jump that the Vikings say they expect from Kirk Cousins? You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com.
1: Phil Mackey here from the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. We've made it easier than ever to find our team-centric Minnesota sports podcast. Wherever you subscribe to podcasts, just search Score North, that's S-K-O-R,
2: and you'll find Score North Vikings, for instance, which includes Purple Daily, Purple Podcast, and Vikings Ventline. Score North Wolves includes Raised by Wolves, Myron Medcalf on hoops, and more. Score North
1: Twins includes Touch'em All, Royce on baseball, and more, and so on. Just search Score North, S-K-O-R, wherever you find your favorite podcast go north
0: young man or woman if you want to go together we'll pay for it score north score
2: It's Purple Daily here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com, part of our vast lineup of uh, Vikings programming. Just search Score North Vikings wherever you download podcasts or uh, download the uh, Score North app. Give us a five-star rating. Show us some love. We're also streaming live on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. You can comment on the show at all those various platforms. It's at SKORNorth. I'm Rami Makhlouf, Matthew Collar. Along for the ride, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass, we have some Wolves Programming coming up for you at 1 o'clock. Raised by Wolves with uh, yours truly, Danny and Manny. Wanted to talk with you, Matthew, and I I know you have some thoughts on this about the second-year jump that both Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer said that they expect from uh, Kirk Cousins in his second season with the Vikings. This was Zimmer talking about it. He said the big thing is every free agent I've had in my 25 or 26 years, however many years I've been coaching, they've always played better the second year. They have to learn where everything is. They have to find a place to live. You can go through our free agents. Captain Munerlin, when he was with us his second year, Vale Joseph second year, all these guys typically they don't know anybody. They don't know where their locker is. All this stuff you you throw that in with the new terminology, whatever, I think he's going to play great. Is there any validity whatsoever to what Mike Zimmer is saying there? And Rick Spielman has said similar things at the Combine as well. Do you think there is? I think there is something to it. I don't know if it's the things that he's talking about, and I'm really not sure why he's referencing those guys as examples because the quarterback position is a different animal altogether. I don't think you can compare being a second-year quarterback to being a second-year safety or a second-year offensive lineman or a second-year defensive lineman. It's a completely different ball game. but I think that the the, the any second-year bump that a quarterback might have comes from the second year in a system. Kirk Cousins isn't going to be going into his second year in the system Mm -hmm. because they've fired their offensive coordinator and brought in Gary Kubiak and overhauled the whole thing. Now they're overhauling it in a way to make it more familiar to him because these are guys who come from coaching trees that have used similar systems in the past. So I expect maybe a little bit of a second-year bump, but I, I don't know if it's... If it's the same line of reasoning that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman are using when they say that they expect a second-year bump.
1: I'm really glad they said it because there's a lot of interesting things to talk about within it. For one, it's an admission that they weren't fully happy with what Kirk Cousins did last year. Mm -hmm. So when I get the tweets about either for 4,000 yards, like, well, I just heard Mike Zimmer essentially admit that it wasn't good enough. When he says, well, I'm looking forward to that year-two bump. I mean, that's a nice way of saying... Where there's going to have to be a year right. two year bump. Year one wasn't good enough I mean, is that's, what he's saying. That's what he's really getting at. And I've almost been impressed with Zimmer's ability to tiptoe around the Cousins issue because he did not play well down the stretch. There's really no debate about that. Week 17, you win, you're in, and he comes up way short, not even close. And uh, Zimmer did not blow his top on that like I think he would have with Case Keenum. I mean, that's where it's, it's easily debunkable when you just say, oh, wait, so if free agents always get better near year two... Why didn't you keep Case Keenum? He would have been amazing. Right. He was, right? He was great in uh, year one. Why'd he you would let have Alex Boone go? Take you to the Super Bowl. Well, <laughs> I mean, this is right. This is exactly it. Mike Remmers, was he better? No, not in year two. I don't think Riley Reef was better in year two. He was about the same. And I certainly don't think Alex Boone, who they had to release, was better in year two. It, it, again, it's, it's very easy to nitpick through the statement but I I don't think that it's really a statement that's meant for like harsh scrutiny to go through every single free agent to be like oh he's right about this one he's wrong about this one I think the bigger picture is the expectation is that Kirk Cousins is going to be better next year and then my question is how are you gonna make him better because Kirk Cousins is exactly who he has always been, which has varied widely based on his circumstances. Last year, his circumstances were good with two of the best receivers in the game, but they were not perfect. And in 2016, when he was at his best, it was darn near perfect. He had three great wide receivers, two great tight ends, a receiving running back, and a Hall of Fame left tackle. You're not going to get that for this year. But can he be better with a system that fits a little better than it did before with another receiver with a couple of different guards. Yeah, I'll I don't
2: think I don't think you can expect the numbers to look a whole lot better, can you? You want them to be more secure with the football in terms of the fumbles... Uh, but other than that, it's I mean, the
0: situational stuff, right? Third you, downs,
2: exactly. And you need to you you need him to show that he can step up in the big moments. That he's generate not, points. He, he's not going to pee right down his leg every Monday night <laughs> or Sunday night game or every game where their backs against the wall and they need a win. You need you need to see those intangibles from Kirk Cousins, don't you?
1: What's very interesting about Kirk Cousins and the way that he's judged in this situation is almost every quarterback in the league is judged in some way on winning and win-loss record. But in a lot of situations, you could look through it and say... Well, okay, this guy showed potential, so we're looking forward to next year. Or this guy totally got screwed and had no chance. Josh Rosen's a good example. Rosen had no chance. Joe Montana's not winning eight games with that Arizona Cardinals team. It's just <laughs> not happening. It's the worst offensive line I think I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, so, so you look at it and you sort of judge their play and how it sort of relates to your expectation. With Cousins, he's only going to be judged on the number of wins the teams get. Or the team gets. right, Fair or not? I mean, usually QB wins in a single season is not fair, because if your defense doesn't play well, you miss field goals, or you get some bad bounces or injuries or whatever. But in this case, for his next two seasons, and especially this one where they'll have to make a decision on an extension, it's just... Are you going to win 10 games? Are you going to win 12 games? Or are you going to win 8 games? And that's how he's going to be graded.
2: How different is the perception of Kirk Cousins? And I know this question I'm about to ask is a lot easier said than done. But how different is the perception of Kirk Cousins if he has the same exact season statistically as what he had in 2018, but the Vikings won 12 games?
1: Well, and that's a good question because that's how fantasy stats can fool us. Right? Where Kirk Cousins had the third most yards when the team was trailing by two scores. And 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 this matches up to what all of us saw. In Chicago, you're down twenty-two to six, and it's a miracle run to lose by six. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happened in New Orleans. A bunch of dump-off passes got you to a 10-point loss, but you were down by 17 in the fourth quarter. And I would even argue that Los Angeles Rams game that people like to hold up. It was the same thing. They were up by two scores. He puts up some points, the Rams make a mistake, and they almost have a chance, but really they were playing from behind a lot. And this has been Kirk Cousins' MO for his entire career, has been, yeah, he puts up big stats when they're behind, but he gets them behind early in the game. So if he had uh, 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, but a lot of it came tied, or a lot of it came ahead, mm-hmm. getting, his, getting his team up in games, then... Or, or if even if it was in shootouts where you're going back and forth and you win those games, then it's going to be a lot different than what it actually was last year. So what you're going to look at, and and Manny alluded to this, is you know they had uh, one of the worst third and long offenses in the NFL, and that goes to your quarterback. The great quarterbacks are good on third and long. I mean, all you have to do is just Google it. I mean, who shows up? Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning. All, all the great quarterbacks good on third and long because that's when you really have to make a throw. Last year, he did not make those throws. He didn't make those plays anytime they were in third and long, and they were in third and long kind of a lot. So, you know, I I think that the way that I judge his performance next year will be on a lot of the underlying stats, and then I'm kind of with everyone else on how many games did you win because they paid you to come win and not put up stats.
2: Like I said before, the some of the names that, that Mike Zimmer threw out there, Terrence Newman, Car- uh, Captain Munderland, Riley, Riley Reef. It's apples and oranges when you're talking about those guys compared to a quarterback in his second year. Courtney Cronin, and you can hear her every Tuesday here on Purple Daily and find her work at ESPN.com. She Threw in Because it's so rare that you see, as I knock over my coffee mug, it's so rare that you see there was no coffee in it, a, a franchise quarterback actually hit the free agent market yep. in today's NFL. So the, the examples are few and far between. The two that Courtney found were Drew Brees when he went to New Orleans yep. and uh, Peyton Manning when he went to Denver. First year in New Orleans for Drew Brees, 10-6, uh, 64% completion percentage, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, a 67 QBR. Second year, he actually dropped off a little bit, had a 7-9 and record. Completion percentage was a little higher at 67%, 28 touchdowns, but 18 interceptions and just a 65 QBR. It was the case with Peyton Manning that he took a second-year jump uh from 2012 to 2013 when he went to Denver first year they were 13 and 3 and he had a 68% completion percentage 37 touchdowns 11 interceptions and a 79 QBR and then that second year that in 2013 year. that was the big record breaking year where they went 13 and 3 again a 68% completion percentage again but 55 touchdowns to 10 interceptions and a 79 QBR
1: I I just I really can't make much of the comparisons because it is so rare and these two players are so much better than Kirk Cousins. They're just way more talented. Right. I mean, even with Drew Brees, there was there was some type of narrative that Drew Brees was like bad in San Diego and then didn't find it until he left and pe- people thought, oh, he'll be much better. I mean, you look it up. He, he was great in his last two years in San Diego. Mm-hmm. He went 20 and 11 with 51 touchdowns, 22 picks, a 96 quarterback rating, which at the time would have been great, uh, you know, 15 years ago. A 96 quarterback rating would have been great so the, the only real concern with him was just whether his shoulder was going to work and the same thing with Manning like is his infused neck going to hold his brain up there <laughs> like, is, is that, is that <laughs> but you're but you're talking about two of the most talented players of all time we have now a four year sample of Kirk Cousins being mostly the exact same quarterback with the exact same win-loss record with the exact same shortcomings with, with the exact same highlights of things that he does right he made and throws last year that were absolutely spectacular uh, the throw in Green Bay to Thielen the throw in Philadelphia to Stefan Diggs there was one in Green Bay to Diggs too that was a bomb right into the hands of Diggs I mean he he has done this in Washington as well where he has shown his accuracy his ability to execute an offense but what Breeze and Manning don't have that he does is you look at their seasons and even when the supporting cast wasn't good or sometimes in New Orleans' case, it was an atrocity. Their defense was like a war crime and
0: historically bad.
1: Still won seven games. I mean, like Rob Ryan on, as a defensive coordinator, I just like, and, and yet he would still force them to, to win some games and consistently win a lot because they do things that Kirk Cousins is incapable of. Cousins is what you make him. He is what you make him with the system. He is what you make him with the receivers. He is what you make him with tight ends, with running backs, with offensive line. And that's where I think for an for an offseason plan, if they want to prove Zimmer right, Zimmer's going to have to sacrifice some of his favorite players. That's the way I look at it. If he wants to be right about this year two thing, it's it might be Trey Wayne's traded. It might be Everson Griffin traded. It might be he loves Kyle Rudolph too. It might be trying to upgrade there. But that's the only way that Kirk Cousins is going to be any better. He'll still be the same guy, but the circumstances will bring his play up.
0: Yeah. Hey, I mean, you can look at Mike Zimmer and say, okay, well, year two, your two guys are better. Okay. Well, that means Holton Hill's going to be even better, right? So you should be able to let a guy like Trey Waynes go because, well, Holton Hill's going to be better in year two.
1: Well, and that would be the challenge is Zimmer, can you work around losing some of these key guys? to get the most out of your defense. And I think if you dropped to maybe being, instead of the fourth best defense, the 10th, you don't lose a lot there. But if you're the 19th best offense again, you're just not winning anything. There are some quarterbacks, and Peyton Manning
2: and Drew Brees are are these guys, that no matter what situation you put them in, they're going to be good. Unless you everything you can possibly do to sabotage a guy's career, no matter what system or situation you put them in, they're going to be good. Then there are guys who are so bad that no matter what system or situation you put them in, they're going to be bad. And then there's everybody else in the middle, and I think that's what most quarterbacks are. I think that's what Kirk Cousins is, where they're good, but they have to be put in the right situation and the right system with the right people around them to, to play above their heads. They're not going to be able to do it themselves and and lift a team and make them great single-handedly. Yeah,
1: And in general, it goes for every single team, every single quarterback. It's just what is your floor and what is your ceiling. And the ceiling on Kirk Cousins so far has still only been a 9-win season, whereas the ceiling on Peyton Manning, when he has a good Denver Broncos team around him, is 15 wins, and it's 13 wins for Drew Brees and the Super Bowl for both of them. But Cousins, at least as a member of the Vikings, did not have one of these great supporting casts around him last year. It was good. It was probably, I think, maybe like 7th to 10th for supporting casts with the wide receivers that he had. Find me another team that has two top 20 wide receivers or top 15. That's going to be tough to find. And a running back who's as dynamic as Delvin Cook, but at the same time, it wasn't perfect. And that gets us back to the main issue with signing him to the contract that they signed him to. Like, how can you make the situation perfect around him if he's going to get paid that much? And this was always an issue with Drew Brees and where they got lucky in a lot of ways over the last couple of years and probably missed their window here a little bit with New Orleans is rookie contracts. They hit on Elvin Kamara. They hit on Mike Thomas. Oh, my gosh. Hit on Mike Thomas. <laughs> Rookie contracts, though. And now Adam Thielen wants a new deal, and Stefan Diggs is paid. Kyle Rudolph might have to leave. You know, I mean, it's just, it becomes a very, very delicate dance. And you get to a point where it's hard to see him being a lot better because there just isn't a ton that you can do without making huge sacrifices. That's
0: yeah. Matthew Collar. Sorry, go ahead, man. Well, no, I was just going to say, I remember yesterday I presented the question of how many of these key players. Can the Vikings afford to lose and still... I mean, this was an 8-7-1 and one team in 2018, and we're talking about letting go a lot of key pieces to an 8-7-1 and one team. Right. It's going to be a tall order for them to just even maybe even go back to being eight, seven and one.
2: And when you when you look at each of those decisions in a vacuum and individually, you go, yeah, you can probably let Everson Griffin go in a trade or or, or release him. You may be able to let Sheldon Richardson go. But when you look at it as a complete picture, yeah, it, it becomes a little bit more daunting in terms of replacing these guys like like Manny just said, to a team that just finished eight, seven, and one. Losing players, you have to replace those players. And and if you're trying to improve, you have to replace those players and then some.
1: So where I think this is interesting is it might ultimately turn out to be ironic where you think, oh, they're going to lose all this talent, so they're going to be in trouble because they signed Kirk Cousins to this big giant contract. But because he didn't show up in, in year one and get them to where they wanted to go, they might be forced to build the team the way that teams are supposed to be built in 2019. See, 2017 was an anomaly in in many different ways, but one of the biggest ways was a bunch of great quarterbacks, including Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck got hurt. And the league's quarterback play went down as a whole and it opened the door for a defensive team like the Vikings to go 13 and three, but that's really unlikely to happen. You have to match these other teams in terms of points. And the Vikings might have to say, unless we want to lose our jobs because our big Kirk Cousins swing didn't work out. We better get him another tight end. We better get him a number 3 receiver. We better get him a left guard and sorry Zim, give it give it the old college try on defense, but it it might actually work out to be you're finally going to build the right way on offense or pour your assets into the right place on offense as opposed to how they've done it through the Zimmer era, which is trying to win with defense.
2: And again, there's a lot of the stuff you get into in your Choose Your Own Adventure article. That's up at scorenorth.com. You're listening to Purple Daily on scorenorth.com and scorenorth on 1500. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, what I would call somewhat um, mundane speculation in terms of free agency of the Minnesota Vikings. That's next on scorenorth on 1500 and scorenorth.com.
1: It runs, guns, balls, hoops, drives, puts, bunts, dunks, punts, lobs, saves, tees it up, throws up the rock, or bangs the boards. You'll hear it here. ScoreNorth.com.
2: Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makhlouf, along with Matthew Collar, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass at the Athletic uh, this morning. They put up uh, good fits, good likely destinations for the top 50 free agents in the NFL. And for the Vikings, it's not the most exciting free agent acquisition that they could make, but it's one that makes sense. They have them going after Ramon Foster, the uh, guard from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's uh, started 131 games over 10 seasons. He's 33 years old. And we all know that the Vikings offensive line is a little bit of a mess. He's a guy who you could probably get because of the age at a a a decent price, I would think. Wouldn't you think so?
1: I don't know about that. Really? Recent veteran offensive linemen have gotten paid big dollars and it's often blown up in teams' faces. I looked at last year all the offensive linemen who got paid, and Justin Pugh was at the top of that list. He went to Arizona and it just imploded. <laughs> And that would be the big concern with Ramon Foster is if they're letting go a guy who's been a reliable starting guard for them for a long time, do they feel like it's really the end of his time being a good NFL player because he's going to be 34 that comes off with a lot of risk, but also there's enough desperate teams where the price just keeps going up. Like, look at what Nate Solder brought in last year. He's not even a really good tackle. He was a middle of the road Mm -hmm. tackle and he signed, I think the biggest deal by any offensive lineman ever. This is the problem with the Vikings chasing free agency. I'm also not sure that Foster really is a scheme fit. If you're looking for guys who are a little more in the mobile side, the athletic side, the quick, that sort of thing, I don't know if you're going for a guy that's going to turn 34 years old.
2: How much of the improvement from the offensive line do you think the Vikings are expecting? This kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the last segment from the shakeup on the offensive side of the coaching staff with Kubiak and Stefanski and these new blocking schemes that they want to bring in do you think they're counting on that heavily to improve the offensive line through scheme rather than through personnel
1: yes I do and a good example of this would be Nick Easton when uh, they were using a Shermer offense which was but they kind of bailed on the zone running scheme because uh, Latavius Murray had to take over for Dalvin Cook, but a good chunk of that season they they were doing that, and Nick Easton, who is not a star type of player, still ended up only giving up... Uh, let me check this, make sure I've got the number right. He only gave up 13 pressures last year, or that year, 12 pressures in 2017. And to put that in context, Tom Compton gave up 42. So like,
0: Oh, my I, word.
1: And, and, you know, <laughs> oh, my God. The, but the crazy thing is that, and, and Easton gave up zero sacks also, and only three quarterback hits that whole year. And he missed some of the season, but that was on 425 pass-blocking snaps. I don't think that Easton was a guy who could stand in there and go toe-to-toe with the best of the best. And when he played Aaron Donald, guess what? It was his worst grade, by far, like everyone's always is on a PFF. But they worked around a lot of it. And one of the things that they would do that I think Gary Kubiak will is just get these guys on the move. Mm -hmm. If they bring back the right guys, then they will have them on the move. and And that will help. And Sage Rosenfels on the Purple Podcast and on our air has explained a couple different times sort of how this works exactly. And the version that I can come away with is, look, if you're using a lot of this out like zone running, you can do play action off of it. And you're talking about like Moving the lines one way or the other to roll the quarterback away from where the pressure would be. So instead of just Khalil Mack lining up and demolishing Riley Reef and then hitting Kirk Cousins like happened uh, against Chicago, you would be trying to move Khalil Mack and force him away from the play and running play action away from that a lot with the Gary Kubiak offense. I think that's what they'll do.
2: I feel like outside of our uh, Antonio Brown reckless speculation here at Score North which you started that fire and it just ran wild throughout the entire station every every piece of speculation when it comes to the Vikings is offensive lineman and if it's not people lose their minds like every mock draft that has them taking a, a linebacker or a defensive lineman Vikings fans are are not pleased with that but there are other other areas of need that they that they're going to have to address this off season. Are there not? I mean, this is a team that went eight seven and one. That's not simply because of the offensive line. There there are holes to fill elsewhere on the roster.
1: Yeah, that's right, and that's where it would be tough because if someone like Ramon Foster wants nine to eleven million dollars, even if it's a short term deal like a two year deal or something, because of his age. You're still talking about not being able to add that number three wide receiver unless you get the bottom of the barrel bargain basement, which is what they got with Kendall Wright last year, and they cut him. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, that's what they don't want to end up again. So, you're going to have to try to figure out how much you could take away from the defense, how much you could put into the offense, or if you're going to try to keep this defense together. Where can you spot the guys in the draft who are contributors right away to the offense that might be on the offensive line? The guy from K State, Dalton Reisner, I look at him like someone who could step right in and make a pretty big difference. So maybe you look at it that way. I think that that's a better plan than going the free agent route and getting someone who's just going to be overpaid. I think you get the same level of play. And if you put it in like a pro football focus, one to 100, like most of the rookies who were pretty good last year, decent they they weren't like veterans would be, veteran star guards. But say they're like a sixty-five out of a hundred. It's a like reasonable play. Well, if you sign Quentin Spain and pay him seven million bucks and he gives you seventy-one as opposed to sixty-five, like, well, I spent seven million more, six million more, for only a little bit of a difference. And I kind of think of it in, in those types of terms of why it might be better to sign proven receivers who you know could step in and draft the offensive line.
2: That's Matthew Collar find his work, uh, his thoughts on the Vikings at ScoreNorth.com Follow him football. on Twitter. At Matthew Collar. Football, that's Dude, right. I'm Robbie This, was, this was a
1: really football episode. This was a very
2: football. football-y episode of Purple Daily. Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. Manny and I are right back if you're listening live for some Wolves talk. Raised by Wolves next up on ScoreNorth on 1500 and ScoreNorth.com